everything that was first, everything that had value, everything that God gave value, true value came to the foreground. This was the going out of Mitzrayim. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. This week, the Torah portion is Parsha's bow. We're going to have Reaching Above the Stars, Astrology and Passover. We're going to have a powerful parable about the thieves, a great story about Rev Blach, and peace in your home, Torah and blessings. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So this week I'm also doing the Torah podcast live on Periscope. Maybe we could get some comments and more action happening and we could be more excited about this week's Parsha. So Shmo's Bo, chapter 12, says like this. And Hashem said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be for you the first month of the year. So to the entire... Speak to the entirely assembly of Israel, and say, On the tenth of this month they shall take for themselves each man a lamb for his father's house, a lamb for each household. But if the house will be too small, then he and his neighbor who has his house next to him, according to the people who can eat the lamb, so they'll take the lamb for them. A perfect lamb, a male that is one year old, shall be with you, and you should take it. And you should keep it until the 14th. And the entire congregation of Yisrael shall slaughter in the afternoon. So here you see, first of all, you have the commandment of the first month. Then Hashem tells the Jewish people, Moses tells the Jewish people, that they have to take the lamb on the 10th day of the month. We know they tied it to their beds, and they kept the lamb there. And the lamb was the God of the Egyptians. And here the Jewish people are taking the lamb and tying it to their beds. And keeping it until the 14th when they're going to shecht it. They're going to ritually slaughter it. So the Kli Yaka says like this. This is unbelievable. Why was the commandment of Chidush HaKodesh? The new month. That was the first commandment that God gave the Jewish people. And why is it right before the sacrificing of the Paschal Lamb? So he explains. The Egyptians believed that the constellation Aries, which is symbolized by the sheep, the ram. A ram is a male sheep. So they believed that this, this was their god. The constellation of Aries was their god. The planetary influence bestows wisdom. The planetary influence bestows wealth. Therefore, every shepherd was an abomination to the Egyptians. Why? Because it's not appropriate to tell sheep what to do. Because they're like a god. So what did Hashem tell them to do? Just the opposite. On the 10th of the month, because the constellation is then at the height of its influence, which is the 10th of the month, and the Egyptians would recognize that their God has a power greater than it. So basically, what are we saying? We're saying, according to the Kliyakar, the reason why we took a sheep 
just at the at that Chodesh, which is the first of the month, Nisan, which is the month of the ram, Aries. So the Jewish people shechted the sheep. They brought the sheep to their beds. This was the God of Mitzrayim. The, the Mitzrayim, the Egyptians, they worshipped astrology. This is unbelievable. And that's why we have the Pesach lamb, to show that astrology is worthless. Not that it's worthless, just the opposite. That astrology really has power. And it, it, it does work according to the Torah. There's a Gemara on Daf Kuf Nun Vav, a Gemara Shabbos, that explains the, the power of astrology, what day of the week you're born, what month you're born in, and it really has power. But that doesn't mean we're limited by astrology. And that's why God told us to check the Paschal Lamb. The Paschal Lamb is against the Yavodah Zara, the idol worship of the Mitzrim, of the Egyptians, who believed in the power of astrology, but only in the power of astrology. And the Ramban says like this, Why is it that we have so many different commandments to remember going out of Egypt? Zecher, you see, it's Mitzrayim. So he wants to explain that since from the very beginning, the world became corrupt with idolatry. Why? Because they started to believe in the planets. It's true that God runs the world through astrology. God runs, brings koko, certain energies of wealth, of health, of all kinds of atzlacha, of sickness or darkness or death, everything that happens in our world, Hashem is doing it through the planets. Obviously, in this case, we know by the Paschal Lam, we know that by Mitzrayim, Hashem himself intervened, and he's the one who took us out of Mitzrayim. But in general, the planets have influence. And therefore, the Roman says that we have many, many mitzvahs to help us remember Zecher Yisiyat Mitzrayim, to help us remember the going out of Egypt. Why? Because people were denying God. So what did they say? They said, there is a God. Okay, maybe there's a God. But he doesn't oversee them. And thus in their minds, making man like the fish of the sea. That God does not oversee them. And there's no punishment reward for them. Therefore, since what happened in Mitzrayim, we saw clearly that the Jewish people were chosen and taken out of Mitzrayim. And it was a wonder that everyone, the ten plagues happened. So everybody saw that. So they saw that there was a God greater than all the planets, than all the forces in the universe. There was a God who was involved intrinsically, intimately with human beings. And therefore, we have to remember that all the days of our lives. In Shema, we say it twice. Zechi Yisiyas Mitzrayim. Shabbos is Zechi Yisiyas Mitzrayim. The remembering of going out of Egypt. And therefore, what did God say? We have chametz. We can't eat, we can't eat leavened bread for Pesach. We have to eat matzahs. It says in the Mitzvah, also Zechi Yisiyas Mitzrayim. And it would talk about tefillin. All these mitzvahs are Zechi Yisiyas Mitzrayim. Sukkis, Zechi Yisiyas Mitzrayim. And they bear testimony for those the generations regarding the wonders that they shouldn't be forgotten, and there were no plausible argument for the unbeliever to deny his faith in God. So we see that many of the mitzvahs are connected against Zechah Yisiyas Mitzrayim. 
to re- help us to remember that there's something beyond astrology. That God is real and evolved with us. The Svastama says like this, why did we have to have Eser Makos? That's this week's Parsha. Why did we have to have the ten plagues in Mitzrayim? This is simply unbelievable. It's a similar idea. It's, it's, it's an offshoot of this idea. The ten plagues were against Kenegid to remove the ten Mamaros, the ten things Hashem created the world. When He created the world, He did it with ten statements. And these ten statements are what make nature. So the makos, the ten makos, are come to here to remove nature. Because what happens is, like the Ramban says, since there's nature and since there's planets and stars and everything that's happening, we forget about the na- We forget about God. We realize we we forget that there's a higher power. Therefore, God brought the ten plagues in order to remove the ten mamaros. And, and why did he do that? Well, that we should get to the level of the Esitiburos, the Ten Commandments. So you have the Ten Plagues against the Ten the Members of Nature to lead us to the higher level of the Ten Commandments, which is above nature, which is the Jewish people following the will of God. So it's a similar idea. The plagues were there to remind us that there's something above nature. This is also unbelievable. Who is this? This is the Shem Mishmur. We need to see the Pesukim now first. We need to see chapter 13 in Shmos. So it's like this. Hashem said to Moses, saying, sanctify me the firstborn. God is saying that the, first person, the firstborn of the Jewish people has to be sanctified. Then it says, Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you departed from Egypt, the house of bondage, with the strong hair God removed you from here, and, and therefore you can't eat chametz. All of a sudden we switch gears here. We start talking about that you can't eat chametz, you can't eat leavened bread during Pesach. Today you're leaving in the month of spring, and then when Hashem should come to you and bring you to the land of Canaan, he's talking about going into, into the land of Israel, the mitzvah to go into, to live in Israel. Then it says... Seven days you eat matzah, it's talking about Pesach. And then you have to put a sign upon your hand. And remember, it's between your eyes. This is talking about tefillin. Then it goes back and it starts to say, And you shall set apart any first that emerges from the womb, from Hashem. And each of the first calves of the livestock that belong to you. The males are Hashem. That's talking about kosher animals. And also not kosher animals. And each first donkey you should redeem. And not only that, the firstborn person should be among you, should be redeemed. So here we see there's a change in the order, something wrong. And this is, this is what the Shem Shmuel says. He says, first it says, sanctify for me, he's first, uh, firstborn for me. So then you would think that it should continue, it should talk about the firstborn of people and then switch to the firstborn of kosher animals, the firstborn of not kosher animals. But that's not what happened. We saw in the Pesukim, we, st- we started to talk about the firstborn person. Then we started to talk about chametz. Then we started about matzahs. Then we started to talk about tefillin. So what are the matzahs and tefillin being, doing in the middle here? So he wants to answer. His holy grandfather, the Rabbi of Klotk, he said, each of the plagues that the Egyptians had lowered the Egyptians and it raised the Jewish people. 
when the firstborn of the Egyptian was killed. So then it injected Kedusha holiness into the firstborn of the Jews. In other words, the firstborn of the Egyptians who were involved in a vote of Zara, idol worship, and they're involved in immorality, and their firstborn, there was is the strength, the firstborn, the first child of the household. The strength of the household was involved in the wrong things, but when they were killed, so that energy that they had moved to the firstborns of the Jewish people. But he says not only that, it wasn't just the firstborn, it was anything that was first. All aspects of firstness, he says. <laughs> so we translate it. Not only did the firstborn children become sanctified, but every other manifestation of firstness. Why? Pesach, and that's why I started to talk about the Pesach. Pesach is the first month and the first uh, holiday that the Jewish people had. Eretz Yisrael, which is the base of Migdash, is primary, primary spot on earth, the first place on the earth. Not only that, tefillin, what does tefillin have to do? The primary elements of man, his intellect and his emotions, the highest parts of man. The tefillin shel rosh relates to the seichel, the intellect of man, and the tefillin shel yad relates to, uh, of the arm, relates to the emotions of man. So all the first gained power, this is unbelievable. When the first were killed, when the, when the, the firstborn in Mitzrayim were killed, all their energy was transferred to the first of the Jewish people. And, and, and they went up a level. My father-in-law used to say, setting the clock back to the right time. Sometimes with a kid, you have to put the clock back on the right time. So that's exactly what happened. There was a total, a total revolution. All of a sudden, values became straight. And that's why it said, the Talmai, also the Talmai animals of the Jewish people had to be sanctified. He wants to say that relates to the body of the Jewish people. That's connected the body in a juxtaposition with the body, which is the donkey, which represents material possessions. It also has to be sanctified and used for the right reasons to serve God. Not only that, the kosher animals, the kosher animals also, the firstborn was sanctified, which means they had to be sacrificed in the base of Mikdash. It relates to the emotional aspects of a human being, of, of a Jew. And the emotions have to be sanctified and be used for the right things. Not only that, the firstborn human child, the Jew himself, which is his intellect, he had to be sanctified. So therefore, he wants to explain, that's why there was a change in the order. We first spoke about the, the Jewish person himself, the firstborn baby, has to be sanctified. He became the Kohen. He became the head of the family. And then we, sp we switched. We talked about the Pesach and the Tefillin to show that it's not just the human being. It's every aspect of a human, be of a human being's life has to be sanctified. And that was a transfer. That's what occurred by, by when the firstborn was killed in Egypt. Everything that was first, everything that had value, everything that God gave value, true value, came to the foreground. This was the going out of Mitzrayim. Here, I have Orachim, it says like this. 
God declared the henforce, the firstborn of the Jews will be sacred to him. There will no longer be a first firstborn associated with the powers of the klipot, of negativity. In other words, the value system of the Egyptians was the wrong value system. Everything was not in its place. We know that evil, basically, evil only runs off of good. The energy that evil has comes from good. God gives to the sinner, he gives him a life. He gives him everything. A person can't do anything. There's a life. There would be no life if there was no energy. But it means the energy has been captured. That is what the Ramchal explains. By removing the tumor from the Klippas Noga, there's a, there's a certain type of negativity that feeds off of positivity. And, and the one that's closest to the positivity is the highest level of negativity because it has the most energy. So what happened was Hashem switched it. He took that negativity, that negative energy, and now it, but with the sacrificing of the, the Pesach and with the killing of the firstborn, everything switched. All that negativity is lost its energy and everything switched to the level of Kedusha and holiness. And he says, this was represented by the shechting, by the sacrificing of the, of, of the sheep for the Pesach. And by putting it, tying it on the legs of the bed, where they kept it there for four days, that means they brought it closer to the Shekhinah. Basically lost all, of, all, the, all their tumor, all their impurities, all the wrong things lost all of its power. And that's what it meant also. We know that the Pesach had to be kept whole. The Pesach had to be kept whole, and the bones, they couldn't be broken. And what happened? The dogs would drag away the Pesach. What does that mean? That means it was like Tuma. The dogs, it also says the dogs didn't bark. The, not the, the, the Pesach says, the verse says they didn't wet their tongue against the Jewish people. The dogs, which represent evil, they had no strength. And the fact that the, that they were that the Pesach, which was the the lamb, which represented the god of Mitzrayim, was taken away by the dogs and eaten, it was like evil collapsed on itself. That's evil collapsed on itself. It's exactly what happened when the holiness was taken out of Mitzrayim, and the Jews were leaving. They took all that light and all that energy, and the whole place collapsed in on itself. Evil was destroyed because evil, if evil gets to the level of too high, it destroys itself. There's 49 levels of Tuma, and there's 40 to 50 levels of Kedusha, 50 levels of, of evil. But really, evil disappears when evil becomes so apparent, so gullowy, so expressed, at a certain point it collapses in on itself. It becomes destroyed, it, it, it destroys itself. And that's exactly what happened in Mitzrayim. Now, what happened with this firstborn? So, Rev. Shimshar Harsh wants to explain that the firstborn, he had to be the role model. So now we had a new role model. Before the role model of the world and the Egyptians were the top of the world, they were the greatest society, the most powerful society. You couldn't escape Mitzrayim. There was no way to get away from them. So they were the, the firstborns, they were the role model. The role model for what? For znus, for immorality, for all kinds of bad things, for the wrong things. And now what happened is the Jewish 
firstborn, became the role model. So, the Midrash says like this, It was not the blood which saved them. The fact that they shechted the Pesach or not, but the fact that the Jews smeared the blood on their homes. We know that one of the commandments was to take the blood and put it on the doorway to stop the evil forces from coming into the house. But that blood was the blood of, of, the, of the lamb, which was the God of, of, of Mitzrayim, which was, had to do with astrology. So they, did, so they showed that they didn't have any fear. They weren't afraid. They were no longer afraid of the Mitzrayim. It says, the Jews smeared the blood on their homes without showing fear of peril for having slaughtered his God. They relied on God. And from that, they became worthy to be saved. That's what the Midrash says. And also Rev Desler brings a similar story. He says like this, The power which killed the firstborn and triggered the redemption from Egypt was the courage of the Jewish people that they had for slaughtering the lamb of Pesach sacrifice before the very eyes of the Egyptians. It says, God commanded the Jewish people to to shecht the Koran Pesach in front of the Egyptians' eyes. And it says, Moses heard this and he was amazed. He said, how can can we do such a thing? The Egyptians worship the lamb. They're going to kill us which Hashem answered him, by your life. Israel will not leave this place before slaughtering the God of Egypt in front of their eyes and showing to all that their gods are worthless. Like it says, God said, you slaughtered the Korban Pesach and I'll slaughter the firstborn. Your God was worthless. Now, I just want to talk about this idea of astrology. Basically, if you believe only in astrology... So that means you believe in predetermination. Your wealth is determined by the stars. Your health, who are you going to marry, uh, everything that's happening in the world, whether there's wars or whether there's peace, it's determined by astrology. And then you're stuck. So what kind of society is that? What, what, what kind of life is that? What if a person does not believe in free will? What kind of life does he have? Basically, he just believes he's a cog in, a, in the wheel. His life has no purpose. He comes into the world. God's going to do this to him. God's going to do that to him. He's going to make him rich. He's going to make him poor. He's going to make him healthy. He's going to make him sick. All these different things are going to happen to him. And, he, and really, he's, he's just at the mercy of, of the stars. But this person has no relationship he, what kind of life does he have? He doesn't have a relationship to the creator. He believes the creator created the universe, Poseidon, and he set it into motion, and the wheels just run, like a Chinese prayer wheel. They have a, <laughs> you spin the wheel, and the wheel prays for you. There's no pressure, no growth. What does he have to strive to do anything? How much wealth he's going to have is determined by the stars. There's no, there's, what kind of life is this? There's no mysterious nephew. There's no growth. So this, in, in a sense, was the God of Mitzrayim. Because Mitzrayim's whole culture was based on taiva, which means hedonism. The hedonistic person doesn't want to work too hard. So it's a great philosophy, you know? Everything's taken care of. What can I do? 
Like the Indians say, Shanti, Shanti, let's just take a rest, you know what I mean? <laughs> and they're relaxed. Everybody's relaxed. Everybody's happy. And things happen, bad things happen. What can we do? There's nothing we can do about it. We're not a total irresponsibility. It's a life of total irresponsibility. And together with that, it's a life of typhus, of sexuality, of, of, of overeating, of doing whatever you want. Because anyway, you're just an animal. And anyway, the stars are running everything. And you don't have, you don't have a responsibility. That's a person. And that was Mitzrayim. They believed in astrology. The, the, the first astro astrological sign is Aries. Aries was the ram, the lamb. And that's why God had us kill it. So what did guys say? Listen. And also the Jews were influenced by this also. It says the Chazal, the Jews were also influenced by this. And that's why he wanted the Jews to check the ram. On, in the month, on the 10th, the 10th they took the ram, when, when the, the astro astrological sign was the strongest, the 10th of the month. And they checked it on the 14th of the month. And when they did that, they wanted the, the Jews themselves to say, listen, it's true, there is astrology, but we're not limited by it. There's a God in the world. Now, what's the opposite of a philosophy that believes in astrology? A philosophy that believes that there's a God. Well, that's a whole different story. He says like this, I want it here. This is Rav Moshe Sternbuch. He says, the blood... They had to also do the bris milah. They had to make sure everybody you couldn't eat from the Pesach sacrifice unless you had a bris milah. So you had the blood of the milah and the blood of the Korban Pesach on the doorpost. It's a lesson for our generations. Blood represents Messiah's nefesh, completely giving yourself over to God's will, even if it's difficult. We start the life of an eight-year-old eight boy with a bris milah, blood. Blood of the Pesach. What do you mean blood? It means responsibility. It means you have to have a serious nefesh. A person, it's not a life of astrology. It's not a life where everything is just running by itself and we don't have a responsibility. It's a life of total responsibility. Now you got to hear this. Because this is exactly what the Ramban says at the end. Don't forget, this was also the Ramban, the same Ramban said that the reason why we have to have Zechari, you see it's Mitzrayim, for everything, is to acknowledge that really there's a God, a God of beyond astrology. It says, be as scrupulous in presuming a minor commandment. A person should be makpid, strict, in a minor commandment that Hashem gave us, just like a major commandment. For all of them are major and exceedingly beloved. Why? Since through them a person is constantly acknowledging his God. For the ultimate objective of all commandments is that we should believe in our God and acknowledge Him that He creates us. You gotta hear, this is, this is crazy stuff. This is the Ramban. And the Most High has no desire for earthbound creatures except this, that man should know and acknowledge to his God that God created them. For a person has no share in Torah's Moshe unless he believes our affairs and experience are miracles and that God is the one doing them. This is, this is, you got to hear this. Rather, if one observes his commandments, his ward will bring him success. And if he transgresses them, his punishment will destroy him. This is the decree of the Most High. And in the end, everybody will see it. All the people of the earth will see that the name of Hashem is proclaimed over you. And they revere you. In other words, once you take astrology out of the picture, what do you have? You have God. 
And if you have God, if you have God, that means if you do God's will, you get reward. And if you don't do God's will, you get punished. And that's the whole purpose of creation, which is against Mitzrayim, against the Egyptians, against the idea of astrology, that there is a God, but he forgot about us. He could do whatever you want. Anyway, the wheels are turning. The universe is turning. The stars are turning. The energies are moving. It's just, it's just a thing that goes by itself. No. At every single moment, God is intimately involved with us. If we do good, if we grow, and we have to have mysterious nefesh, in other words, it was the mysterious nefesh, the, the mysterious nefesh literally means giving over your soul, like by the Nazis or whatever, a person gives himself over to God, he says, Shema Yisrael, and they said, if you don't become a Christian, you don't become this or that, so the person has to die, and that's literally uh, meaning of Mesir Snefesh. But Mesir Snefesh also means getting up for the minion. Mesir Snefesh means davening. Mesir Snefesh means learning. Mesir Snefesh means doing mitzvahs. This, this is our relationship with God. And this is what we learned in Mitzrayim. We shechted the lamb. We got rid of astrology. And we came into the reality that God is running our lives. And if we have mysterious nefesh, if we push, also there's another point, a very important point, which I just remembered, thank God, on the schools of doing this, I just a very important point. If everything's astrology, it means that your nature, right? How much brains you have, how much strength you have, how much memory you have, all the different parts of your personality were given at birth. You have each kid, when you have a lot of kids, you see this kid is completely different than that kid. Now, where did that come from? It came from the time they were born. It just came with them. And it says, Chazal says, if you're born on the uh, fifth day, the sixth day, each different day of the week has a different strength, different energies. Each different month, each, according to astrology, has your energy. Now, if you just believe in astrology and you don't believe there's a creator, so you that's who you are. What can I do? That's it. I have uh, this weakness, I, ha I have that strength, and that's who I am. No, the answer is no. <clears throat> the Zohar explains in this week's Parsha that if you push forward, you can take all your negative qualities and make them positive. You can use your negative, your negative things that you have and turn them around. And that's the purpose of why we're here. If not, we're just spinning our wheels or we're spinning in a wheel. <laughs> the world's spinning and here we are. And that's it. So good. You wake up in the morning, you go, you do whatever you do and that's life. And you do that for 120 years and then that's it, you die. No, that, that's the Egyptian point of view. That's the Egyptian's way of looking at things. And you're here to have fun. Eat, drink, and be merry. That's what you're here for. To have fun and to have pleasures. And that's what it is. It's not the Jewish way. The Jewish way is, no, it's true that God created you this way, but you're here for a tikkun. If you, if the, the Vilna Gon said, Lama Lichayim, if you're not here to change yourself, if you're not here to grow, why are you alive? 
the Jewish perspective is that you're alive in order to grow, in order to do mitzvahs, in order to do God's will. Now, God's will is not simple. It's not easy. You have to get up early in the morning. You have to stay up late at night. All these things that you have to do to be religious. And, and you can't uh, you go swimming wherever you want. And, you, and uh, so many different halakhas and so many things that you have to guard yourself. And you have to dress sneers and you can't wear any kind of clothes you want. You can't just go out the way you want. You can't. On Shabbos, you can't drive your car. There's a thousand things, all these things going on. And all of them are to metake us, all of them are to fix us, to become more pure, to take the physical, which we were born, Alpi astrology, we were born with all these, you know, the, the whole point was, astrology means the whole, the whole system is just one big physical system. There's four elements, earth, wind, and fire, and everything spinning around it. And the planets have these elements and all these different energies. It's just one ball of energy which just keeps spinning around and moving around. But, and we have no relationship, we're just part of it. But no, the reality is we have a relationship with God. We can take who we are and change ourselves and grow by pushing forward. And this is what the Jewish people did when they shechted the Pesach. They were mysterious nefesh. They said, yes, there is a God. Yes, there is a creator. One who judges us. One who says good is good and bad is bad. And not just everything's hefker. And you can do whatever you want. And anything goes with this liberal attitude that everything doesn't matter. No meaning in life. No, there is meaning in life. Life has meaning. If you do good, good things happen. If you do bad, bad things happen. Ah, bad things happen to good people. We don't have the cheshbon. We don't know. The Chavetz Chaim said it's like a guy walked into shul that he doesn't know, and he sees a guy, this guy getting an aliyah, and that guy getting an aliyah. The schnorr and the, the guy, the, the, the poor guy. So he says, why don't you give the rich guy the aliyah? He says, listen, you weren't here last week. Last week there was a bar mitzvah. This boy, you don't understand the cheshbonus. We don't know what's going back a thousand years, a hundred years, what happened with our ancestors. We don't understand why these different things are happening to us. They're happening to us because, who knows why? Because our ancestors did this. And, and, and the positive and the negative. Maybe we're rich because uh, our great-grandfather did a big mitzvah. My grandfather did a mitzvah. Or maybe we're poor because who knows what he did. Maybe somebody stole back there. Who knows what? We don't have the cheshbonas, but we for ourselves, we have to do good. We have to do right. And, and, and this is our freedom. That's why, that's why, that is why Pesach is this man of our freedom. It's this man, that's what it says in Chazal. It's this man of our freedom. What do you mean freedom? Free will. Free. We can do what we want to do, but we have to use it to serve God. Here is a powerful parable. Open your mind and help you reach your potential. So now, the Magi Maduan brings a mushroom. He brings the plastic like this. It says, Hashem granted the people favor in the eyes of the Egyptians, and he granted the request. The B'nai Yisrael thus drained Egypt of its wealth. In other words, Rashi says there, what does he mean he granted the request? The Egyptians would say to a Jew, you ask for one, now take two and go. Hashem told the Jewish people to go borrow, to go take the gold and all the silver out of Mitzrayim. So he asked them and they said, listen, take, take even more. Like it says in Tehillim. And he took them out with silver and gold. Egypt was glad with their departure. So the question is, what were they happy about? <laughs> happy. They shouldn't be happy. They're losing all their money and all their gold. So why were they happy? So he wants to bring a muscle. He says, 
Sometimes there has to decree against a person that he has to lose 100 hours, 100 gold coins, he says. So what happens? He knows the person's going to be very, very upset if he loses that. So what does he do? Instead, he has these thieves come. And instead, instead of stealing 100 gold coins, they steal 1,000 gold coins. What happens? He hires a group of people. He's all nervous. He's lost 1,000 gold coins. So he hires a group of people, and the group of people find the thieves, and they bring back all the gold to the guy. But the thing is, he has to pay this group of people 100 gold coins. <laughs> but he's happy. He's happy because, listen, I got back my 1,000 gold coins, but really he lost 100 gold coins. Hashem made a decree against him that he has to lose 100 gold coins. But he's now happy because he, he instead of losing not, instead of losing a thousand gold coins, he only lost a hundred. The same thing by the Egyptians. They thought that they were going to be all die. The, here, the Bachorim were dying in every house. He had a couple of people dying because we know there was many more than one firstborn in each house. So they were dying, and they thought they were all going to die. So they were happy. They were just happy to be alive. And that's what it says. They took them out with silver and gold, and Egypt was glad at their departure. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. Okay, this is a story about the Rosh Hashiva from Tells, Rev. Eliyahu Mer Bloch. So it says like this. One day, one day we came to the house of the Rosh Hashiva's room in the hospital. He wasn't there. After a while, he entered, dragging his feet. It was very heavy. It was hard for him to walk. He was sweating. He had trouble breathing. I winced at his sight. I couldn't even look at him. He could hardly say, Shalom Aleichem. He could hardly have strength to say hello. He nodded. He acknowledged us with his eyes. With great difficulty, he was helped to an armchair and sat there breathing heavily. After a moment, he said two words. It's a hard judgment, a painful punishment. See, that was the first time I ever heard the Rosh Hashiva say complain. So then he explained, what was his hard judgment? He says, it's not the pain that I'm having now. That's not the hard judgment. But from the time that I grew up, I've never known what it meant to sit idle. I would be learning with myself. I would be teaching others. I would be writing or speaking or reading or even fixing something around the house. But this to lie in bed and do nothing, that is a terrible punishment. This fits in with the idea that Jews are here to do something. We are here to grow, not just sit around, do nothing. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Rob Aaron Stern speaks about Torah and blessings in the house. He says, sometimes couples come to me and I say to them, I insist that the husband must fix times each day to learn Torah. So the couple asks, what's so important? Why the husband has to sit and learn? Every single husband has to learn Torah every single day? So he said, yes, because without Torah study, there's no protection. There's no blessing in the house. The blessing in the house comes through Torah study. And he says, brings the famous raya. It says that after people die, 
person, there will be Techias Amesim. Hashem will revive the dead. But that only comes from Torah that is learned for its own sake. The reviving do there invigorates the soul and brings about Techias Amesim. Only comes about Torah that's learned for its own sake. And listen to this the Gemara and Brachos. Ruth Pinchas has brought the same idea. He says, how do, women re- how do women receive the revival of the dead? How do they get it? If just man, man are learning Torah, so how do they get it? The only way that women will get to Chiyas Amesim is if they wait for their husbands to come home from the base Middash. Ah, they have many mitzvahs they could do? Yeah, but the only mitzvah that produces to Chiyas the revival of the dead, is the mitzvah of learning Torah. So therefore, they have to be involved in the Torah of their husband. If a woman is involved in the Torah of the husband, she also gets revival of the dead. Chazal says that a ben sur of Amore, a child, God forbid, who goes with a derech and eats meat and drinks wine, what happened when they, they kill him? It never actually happened, but they bring the parents bring him to the base, then they say that he gets killed. It never happened. But it says what will happen, the Pasuk says, he will steal from people and kill them. And eventually he will forget his learning. <laughs> the Kash says, what do you mean? This guy's going to kill, he's going to murder. What do you mean he's going to forget his learning? So Rav Chaim Shemuelavich wants to explain that as long as he's connected to Torah, even if it's Sarma Mara, there's a chance of him going back. As long as he learns, if he learns, there's a chance he'll do tshuva. But if not, all hope is lost. So one time he says, the Chazanish wanted to go see somebody who was learning the Shmuel. He went to a big rab and he saw him. And the rab was saying, learning Baba Kama. God says that the ox that gored the cow, in other words, he was learning with such, he was clinging to Hashem. He understood that the words of the Torah, the Jewish people hold, the words of the Torah are the words of God. And really, if a person would think about it, if he would open a Torah book, he would faint, he would pass out. You really think this is the master, these are the words of the master of the universe? Can you have such a thing? It's an unbelievable idea. So, so this Torah learning brings blessing into the house. It brings shalom bias. You want to have peace in your house, you have to have Torah learning in your house. Not only that, a person has to explain to his wife and to his children and to his daughters the value of Torah. Because otherwise it's going to be difficult. Because what's going to happen as time goes by, the man is going to want to learn at night. So then he's going to, his wife's going to complain, well, you're away the whole day, you want to learn at night also. And then they're going to start to fight. And then he won't have peace of mind the whole day either. So he has to explain the benefit that they're both going to get by him going out for an hour, an hour and a half to learn at night. He said, you shouldn't forge your head without her approval, though. <laughs> you have to get your wife's approval if you want to leave the house at night to learn Torah. So you need that. But he says, but he brings a raya that you should push a little bit. Be of the Talmudim of Aaron, who love peace, pursue peace, love people, and bring them close to Torah. So Chaim Shmuel, Chaim said on this, he said that even though we love peace, like Aaron says, you have to have peace, but still you have to bring people close to Torah, which means that even though you want peace in your house, but you have to push a little bit to bring Torah into the house, even though it's going to make a little bit of a problem. For example, a couple may worry that devoting time to learning Torah may damage the livelihood. That's talking about during the day. 
So he says, Rav Chaim said, it's true that even though you have to have peace, but you also have to have Torah, but what about the Torah? And he brings a right that it's not going to happen, everything will be fine. Why? When Hashem is satisfied with man's ways, even his enemies make peace with him. Who's his enemy? He says, you're his wife. You have peace in his home. If he brings Torah into his house, he's going to bring peace into his house. Okay, I hope you really enjoyed this podcast. Please share it with your friends. And please leave comments. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.